بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته My name is Mehdi, sometimes known as Haji Mehdi and it's my honor to welcome you all to the very first episode of Behind the Member hosted here at Masjid al-Rasul al-A'zam in Toronto, Canada My very, my very first guest is someone special He came from all the way from Canton, Michigan He is the Imam of Mecca in Michigan and it is the man himself Sayyid Saleh Qazwini. Assalamu alaikum, Sayyidna. How are you? Assalamu alaikum. Alhamdulillah, doing well. Thank you. I'm very honored to be here with you. Thank you so much for coming, coming all this way. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on, you know, this setup so far? I love it. Um, it always gets me very excited and I get very happy to see Muslim youth across the world um, doing these creative programs, these creative activities. A podcast is something that is very uh, beneficial, very useful. And I've seen sometimes, um, I've given lectures, it doesn't get as much views as, for example, a podcast would. I don't know what's the secret behind it, but I love what you're doing. Thank you so much, Sayyidna. Um, So we're just winding down from tearful, I don't want to say maybe action-packed two nights of Fatimiyya Majalis. There were a lot of emotions. There were a lot. Of, there was a lot of tears, crying, where we remember the uh, tragedy of Sayyidatina Sal Alamin, Fatima Taz Zahra. Um, so my first thought is, what is the relation between Fatimiyya and the rest of the Masaib of Ahlul Bayt? Yani, shikil am. I would say that. Actually, the days of Fatimiyya are very important to commemorate and the events that took place on the days of Fatimiyya, the catastrophes and calamities that fell upon Fatimah al-Zahra, they were actually the beginning of the Masaib that fell upon the other members of the Ahlul Bayt, for example, Imam al-Hussein And actually, there are some poets, I know for sure in Arabic, for example, they say that if the door of Fatima was not attacked, if the rib of Fatima was not broken, then the ribs of Imam al-Hussein would not have been broken on the day of Ashura. So there is a correlation, and they all lead to one another. And when we commemorate Fatimiyya, it actually makes you think of why things happened the way they were. A lot of people, they, they cry... For Imam al-Hussein during Muharram and Safar. But we need to ask the question is, what led to Imam al-Hussein being killed? And the answer, you will find the answer on the days of Fatimiyya. That was, that was the, what happened on the days of Fatimiyya was what led to the calamity of Karbala and the day of Imam al-Hussein where he was killed in daylight in front of over 30,000 Muslims. But they killed the grandson of the Prophet. Subhanallah. We see now that they're online, especially on platforms such as TikTok, Instagram Reels, these kind of things. Fatimiyya is al- always a touchy subject, especially among the youth. Um, they, there's arguments, fights, you know, varying opinions on this subject. What is, is there other basis to these concerns about Fatimiyya and you know, enlivening the rituals of Fatimiyya, 
or are those more just, you know, noise in the background? So if we begin to look at things, look at the facts, look at the do research and see what scholars have said, you will see that there's not that much to dispute about. In fact, the events that fell upon Fatima Zahra, they are to an extent unanimously agreed upon. Now, there are some details, some details that probably some people question, and they have the right to question them. It's okay. But we are not trying to talk about specific details, but more, more importantly, when we commemorate Fatima Zahra, we're trying to give a holistic uh, image to the world that Fatima Zahra was oppressed. Would anyone, would anyone question us with that? No, of course not. Fatima Zahra, things happened where she was oppressed by the establishment that came to power and she said certain things. We mentioned in our majalis, Bukhari, for example, he mentions that Fatima Zahra, she died while she was angry in three separate uh, hadith, three, three separate narrations. In Bukhari, he mentions that she died while she was angry with that establishment. There are other sources that says that they threatened to attack the house of Fatima Zahra. And others, they say, others, they say they did attack. Now, regarding some of the details here and there, yes, maybe some would say, I don't have sufficient evidence to prove this. But they, even those people who question that specific detail, they don't question the whole image and the whole story of what happened. And that is, Fatima Zahra was oppressed. I guess a lot of the times people talk about Fatimiya, uh, they talk about the historical factors, Things aren't certain. We don't know what happened. But in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like that's kind of the case with a lot of history in general and Islamic history. We don't know exactly what happened. You know, we don't have a timeline or an itinerary of what time this thing happened exactly when. A lot of the, the maqtal of Karbala is, is not known for certain what happened exactly. And, but we carry on these traditions as they were passed down. And um, if you look just across Islamic history, it's not, it's not certain what happened. But I guess we do know a few, a few key facts, such as she died young, and as you said, she died angry with certain individuals. Um, so I feel like if we look at it from that kind of perspective, it's clear that something happened, right? Of course. Um, it is very clear that Fatima Zahra was upset, and there are narrations, you know, um, I mentioned in my majlis that over 80 uh, Sunni scholars mentioned that the attack of Fatima Zahra was either attacked or threatened to be attacked. And that by itself is enough to, you know, we rest our case, meaning that Fatima Zahra was oppressed. Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Taymiyyah, who is, you know, he's known for not being a fan of the Ahlul Bayt. But this is the least thing that we could say. Um, he says that Ali ibn Abi Talib and Fatima Zahra and Bani Hashim, they had some money that belonged to the Muslims in their house, so therefore that justifies the attack on the house of Imam Ali. Meaning, he's even going further to accuse Imam Ali of, you know, la Allah, stealing money from the Muslims. And of course, this is something that we definitely reject, but he acknowledges that there was an attack on the house of Fatima Zahra. That there was some action in front of the house of Amir al-Mu'mineen and Fatima Zahra. Ibn Taymiyyah, yes. That. Yes, because he tries to give the excuse. He says because there was belongings 
things that belong to the Muslims, so they had to go in and retrieve them. Profound, yeah. The, yes. the, the head of the snake himself is saying. So, but the point is, um, critical thinking is always a good thing. We don't, we don't want people to just accept things right away. No, go and do your own research. Go and do your own critical thinking. Remove the bias from your heart. Do your own research and you will find the truth. Um, another thing that like, we acknowledge in Fatimi and these majalis is that, let's say, the attendance is not necessarily comparable or close to that of Muharram, to that in Shah Ramadan, Istishad Imam Ali, Liyad al-Qadr. What is it about Fatimiyyah? I've even heard from some elders, they say, oh, you know, uh, this is something new or something. And I realize that a lot of the youth, they do not treat Fatimiyyah, they don't hold it in the same standard as they hold the rest of the other Masa'ib of Ahlul Bayt, salam Allah alayhum. And I believe there's a hadith that says that we are the proofs of Allah upon the people. And Fatima is a, pro is a proof of Allah upon us. Mm. So Fatima herself has, you know, a, a particular standing in the ranks of Ahlul Bayt, salam Allah alayhum. So how do we reignite that kind of, the same love and affection that the shabab, that the youth have for the majalis of Abba Abdullah al Hussein? How can we reignite that or instill that in the youth to attend the majalis of Fatima, to understand the, you know, the masab, and the, the tragedies of Sayyidah Fatima? So, of course, you know, we have to keep in mind that we can't compare the majalis of all the imams and the ma'sumin with that of Imam al Hussein Imam al Hussein, his musibah is unique in its way, in the way he was killed. And this is why you don't even need to do anything and people will just come to the majalis of Imam al Hussein. But with regards to Fatimiyya, the Shahada of the Prophet, of Imam al Hassan, of Amir al Mu'mineen, of all the Imams, we have a duty to remember the Imams, uh, celebrate the happy occasions, commemorate the sad occasions. Now, also, there's room for culture as well. Some mm -hmm. cultures, or for example, you go to, for example, in Iraq, maybe some places in Pakistan, maybe some places across the Muslim world, they do hold 10 nights, 15 nights, 20 nights of majalis straight, yeah. and people attend. So we shouldn't kind of get disappointed or be kind of feel that just because maybe right now here in Toronto, maybe you didn't get the crowd that you got in Muharram, uh, that that means that Fatimiyah is not being revived. No, Fatimiyah is being revived. First of all, there are several narrations of the Masa'ib of Fatima Zahra. So there's there's no unanimous consensus amongst the Shia, amongst the Muslims that Fatima Zahra was uh, passed away on this particular day. Whereas with Imam Hussein, does anyone question the day Ashura, of Ashura? The, or the day of Ashura is known across mm -hmm. the Muslim world. It's actually... You know, you find Muslims, for example, Muslims, Shia and Sunni are uh, different opinions on the birth of the Prophet. Sahih. On the departure of Rasulullah, there's no, there's no set opinion. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So, So with Fatima Zahra, also you have with the days of her departure, you have 75 days after the death of the Prophet, 40 days, you have 95 days. So um, these, uh, this variation and... Um, there's no set date that kind of leaves it to um, doesn't make it very clear. So some people say we will commemorate the next Fatimiyah. Some people say we'll commemorate, commemorate the first. 
But generally speaking, it's good to remember the Ahlul Bayt You don't attend the majlis, at least remember and put them in your heart and make sure that you are following the Ahlul Bayt. That's what's most important. Um, next point is kind of related to that topic and it's how to address the issue of Fatimiyya, which is a bit contentious and we are addressing it to the general Muslim population. It's especially the youth, they find it difficult. Or on the other side, some people find it very easy to talk about this person did this to say the Fatima, this person did this. Where should we fall across that spectrum in terms of being very proud and maybe aggressive with our beliefs mm. or being kind of quietist and saying, you know, we should keep it to ourselves? So as you said, it is a contentious issue and it kind of, um, you're getting in, like sometimes stating some of the facts will get some people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we have to look at the facts. Um, we have to read the history, analyze history. You know, there's a lot of days in the Islamic history that are dark days, days that make people uncomfortable. But this is the reality. We can't just ignore certain realities just because it makes us be uncomfortable. We wish we wouldn't have to commemorate the days of Fatima. We wish we wouldn't have to commemorate that Fatima Zahra when she was so young, she left this world and her children became orphaned and all of that. That would have that would be a you know something that we would also like. But this is the reality. And this reality has been documented and narrated not only in the Shia books. In fact, most of probably 99% of what we and and the Shia scholars have written and what they say in their majalis most of it is documented, especially the historical aspects. They have been documented in Tabari, for example, and uh, by Sunni scholars. They've mentioned a lot of these events. So um, just, to, just because someone gets uncomfortable, that doesn't mean that we should not state the historical facts. But there's also uh, a fine line between being um, critical thinking, staying, saying the facts, and also, and the other side is insulting other people, insulting general Sunni population today. We have no right to insult other Muslims. Why should? What do they have to do with something that happened fourteen hundred years ago? Exactly. They are. Um, we have to be. We should not insult anyone. And when we speak, let us follow. And when we commemorate, let us try to follow. Rasulullah the sunnah of the Prophet, the sunnah of the Ahl Bayt They made sure that historical and um, important factual points are mentioned, but they did it in a way where they are not hurting the other people's feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, Rasulullah invited people to Islam, and he did it in a very kind way, in a very gentle manner. Use wisdom, use good admonishments, do not always seek to attack people. I see some Shias, you know, they make it about, for example, other Sunnis right now in their community. You this see is TikTok. wrong. TikTok say it. It's a, it's a mess. Is that what's going on in TikTok? Uh, yeah, everyone, it's, it's just a, a cesspool of people attacking each other, people insulting other people's uh, role models. And like you said, it's just people seeking to degrade the other person's beliefs. My beliefs are right. Your beliefs are wrong. This is what happened. And uh, we'll see on the Day of Judgment. Bainam, I feel like having good actual dialogue, having open discourse, speaking about the facts is 
more, you know, kind of, let's say, important or, or more amenable to this kind of, to addressing this kind of topic. Exactly. This is why we have to empower ourselves with knowledge, empower ourselves, surround ourselves with scholars that actually, you know, they, they back what they say with facts, with evidence, with proofs, using primary sources, rather than just someone coming and saying something, you know, on the member or on TikTok or using some sort of pulpit. We have to be careful who we listen to, who we take our information from. Just because something is on YouTube or on TikTok or wherever it is, that doesn't, that doesn't make it right just because it was uploaded um, online. So we have to kind of do our due diligence. We have to do research. And we have to, even when we listen to scholars, we have to try to see where is the source coming from? Where is this mentioned? Don't accept things blindly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Centum. So I just want to kind of segue this to a popular or let's say very prevalent topic now. Um, and that's the topic of the plight of our brothers and sisters I mean, in Palestine. We see what has gone on. Over 10,000 people killed um, and all kinds of atrocities committed. Um, and of course, we condemn that and we condemn, you know, all innocent loss of life. Um, but we see, especially in our own communities, some people have a kind of a disdain for talking about Palestine, for being proactive about Palestine. Um, they say you should spend your time in the Majadis. And Right now, Fatimiyah is the same time that there's a lot of protests happening. How dare you go to a protest? Mm -hmm. You should be at the Majlis. How do we address this kind of, like, how do we balance these things? We have a balance, kind of a social balance, a moral balance, a, religi a religious balance, um, and a way to address these issues. So I don't know about what others would think about this, but my belief is that when we remember Fatima Zahra, when we remember Amir al-Mu'mineen, Rasulullah, Imam al-Hussein, the Imams of the Ahl-Bayt, one of the first things that they teach us is to defend the oppressed. Amir al-Mu'mineen, he tells his sons, Imam al-Hassan and Imam al-Hussein, on his deathbed, he tells them, Kuna lil-zalimi khasman wa lil-mazlumi awna. He tells them in his will, he says, be an enemy of the oppressor and be a supporter of anyone who's been oppressed. And I believe that because we follow the Ahlul Bayt, we have to be more um, in, in the defense of the oppressed wherever they may be, whatever their nationality is, whatever the color of their skin, whatever language, whatever culture they come from, and even if they have different beliefs as us. Amir al-Mu'mineen, he was in Kufa, and he heard that the army of Muawiyah they started towards the end of the life of Amir al-Mu'mineen. The army of Muawiyah was basically they were closing in. They were getting they, yeah. they were closing in in Iraq, and they were raid, yeah. raiding certain towns and cities. And they raided a, a city and a town, a village that was inhabited by uh, Ahlul Kitab, meaning non-Muslims from either Jews or Christians. And he says, he says in Nahjul Balagha, he says, I heard, وَلَقَدْ بَلَغَنِي أَنَّ الرَّجُلَ مِنْهُمْ كَانَ يَتْقُلْ عَلَى الْمَرْأَ الْمُسْلِمَةِ وَالْأُخْرَ الْمُعَاهَدَةِ He would enter on yeah. the Muslim or the Mu'ahada, meaning someone who, they have a covenant with the Muslims. And he pulls her earring and he takes away her belongings and she can't do anything to defend herself. And people, they stayed silent. They didn't do anything to defend this lady. 
And then he says, وَلَوْ أَنَّ مْرِئًا مُسْلِمًا مَاتَ مِنْ بَعْدِهَا أَسَفَا مَا كَانَ عِنْدِي مَلُومًا He says, if someone hears that a non-Muslim lady is being attacked the way she is being attacked, and they die out of anxiety and out of stress, I wouldn't blame this person. So now, are the people in Palestine, are they not Muslim? Are they not believers? Are they not people who say, أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Of course they do. And that means that if we truly love the Ahl Bayt, we have to defend them. And we have to speak the truth. We have to speak against aggression. Some people, they're afraid. And some people, they try to, you know, they don't want to inconvenience themselves. But I believe that if the Ahl Bayt were here, they would be defending the oppressed, whoever they may be. Of course. And I believe it's not, some people like to say, oh, because of the Majalis, because of what happened to Sayyid al-Zahra, what happened to Imam al-Hussein alayhi salam, that we should not be, you know, siding with the nawasib, let's say, or protecting them. But I would probably word it in a different way. I would say it's because of those tragedies that happened, because of their stance against oppression, that we must take a page out of their book, that we must stand against oppression. Whoever the oppressed is, that's mm. the akhlaq of Ahlul Bayt. And if we are true followers of them, we should be doing that. Um, so first of all, who is the Nasabi? Nasabi is the person who has declared their hatred against the Ahl Bayt. Where are you going to find someone who actually says that and practices it and implements it? That doesn't represent, that probably represents a very, very, very minute and small proportion of the Muslims. Not anyone who just doesn't, yeah. is not a Shi'i, is, can be declared a Nasabi. This is, you can't, you know, that's a, you're, we can't accuse just because someone is a Sunni, accuse them of being Nasabi. This is wrong. And yes, I, I'll tell you, um, there were images and um, when, for example, when Saddam, mm -hmm. when Saddam was executed or whatever happened to him, there were images in coming out of some parts of the Muslim world of people mourning, mourning Saddam. Saddam. Yeah. And this makes other people, and of course the Shias, they were victims of Saddam and his atrocities. He caused a war with Iran. Uh, he made, you know, he put a lot of the Shia Iraqis, he put them on the front lines to fight, to fight the Iranian Shias as well on the other side. He, he killed a lot of the scholars. He attacked the Hawza. He, but, but one thing, you know, we have to kind of, if we... Look at things from far. Yes, that angers me that they are, for example, mourning Saddam. Because in my view, Saddam was not a good person. But they, the people who are mourning Saddam, we have to be fair. They didn't see anything wrong from Saddam. Exactly. They didn't see anything wrong. In fact, Saddam, they, they'll come and they'll say, Saddam, actually, he fired missiles at Israel. And he tries to defend uh, the Palestinian cause. Now, whether that's true or not, whether he actually achieved something or not is a, is a different issue. Mm -hmm. But for them, they see him as a hero. So sometimes when politics gets involved, people start hating on other people. Um, Bashar al-Assad, same thing. You know, Some yeah. people are his fans, other people are not his fans. And other politicians here and there. But we should not allow politics to get in the way of defending the truth and defending the oppressed, whoever they may be. And I think it's also kind of almost ridiculous to say that the children in Gaza, you know, half of whom are half of the population of Gaza is, is children who weren't alive when Saddam was around. 
you know, course, and yes. half of them did, and a lot of the in- innocent children, over three thousand innocent children killed. Those they don't know what a nasabi is. They don't know. Of course, it's, that's it's why preposterous to actually accuse them of being nawasib. They're innocent children, mm. and an innocent child dying is is a crime, no matter you know who their parents are, or their grandparents are. Of course, that's why we have to use reason. We have to defend the oppressed, and even if they have a different belief as me, we still have to defend them. Phantom. So we ask Allah to protect the Palestinian people uh, to save them from this. Uh, just to wrap up, Sayyid, uh, I heard there's some new some news regarding the new center in, in Canton, the new Mecca center. Uh, if you'd like to just share with us, what's the updates on, on Mecca and Canton? Um, so Alhamdulillah, you know, we started this uh, center uh, the Muslim Educational Community Center of America, and the acronym is Mecca. Of course, it's not Mecca, uh, Mecca and the, the, the city that the Prophet <laughs> was born in. That's the holy city. This is in this is Canton, Canton, Michigan. <laughs> yes, in Michigan, the it's heart a small of city, close to Dearborn. <laughs> um, but Alhamdulillah, we started a center. It's pretty vibrant. It's small. We're currently renting, but Alhamdulillah, the good news is we purchased a piece of land. The community, of Inshallah. course, the community they chipped in and and um, they all they all got together and Alhamdulillah, we we're able to purchase a piece of land. Now we're in the next step. Um, Inshallah, we're trying to get the architectural designs to build a community center. Amazing. And to do something that will benefit the Muslims and educate the people about the religion of Islam and be a place where the youth and the adults and the young and the old and the women and the children and the men and everyone could feel that a place where they could belong and be proud of their Islamic identity, be pr- proud of their Islamic heritage and learn about the religion of Islam. Inshallah. I, I visited I visited the center of Mecca and it was yeah, it was beautiful. It's a great community, very diverse, and uh, it seems like the Thursday night program or the Friday night program. Those, they they really you know they're well uh, well attended and well received by the community. Alhamdulillah, I think um, one of the one of the reasons is because a lot of the programs are a little bit unique. They're not just your ordinary program. You know, something like this podcast you're doing. This is unique, and th- these type of unique programs they gravitate people. They attract people. So you have to kind of think outside the box. And it's okay to do things a little bit different. Just because our parents and our grandparents, they did things in one way, that doesn't mean, as long as we are within the boundaries of Islam, the boundaries of akhlaq, um, do things a little bit different here and there. Sometimes it doesn't always have to be a lecture. It could be a discussion. It could be um, having youth talking, having women uh, voice their, you know, having a a role in in the community. And then this will be attracting people, inshallah. Phantom. Inshallah, all the tawfiq for, uh, for Mecca and for all the great work you do with Sayyid Salah. You know, we, I'm sure there's loads of people that always try to see what, what Sayyid Salah going to be up to next. Mashallah, there's brother. so much. And thank you for, me. you know, may Allah bless you for all that you're doing behind the mambaras, mashallah. Yeah. You're Very beautiful. Masjid al-Rasulullah, we're, we're also trying to be outside of the box, trying to rework the the standard, you know, you know the standard program and tri- something that's more appealing to the youth. I so noticed. this is just one 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 example of that. Inshallah. Inshallah, this you could be a role model for other communities, and they could also follow. 
and we're mm-hmm. all collectively working to empower Muslims, educate others about the religion of Islam, and and you know serve Allah while we're doing it. Thank you so much, Sayyid. Thank you. Allah um, So that concludes the first episode of Behind the Memphar with Sayyid Saleh. Uh, so please go check out Mecca, Mecca Media on Instagram, I believe, and Sayyid Saleh on Instagram. Follow what they're doing. Also be sure to drop a follow to El Rasul underscore youth. You guys have an Instagram? Yeah, of course. And also on Behind the Memphar. Follow us live. We're getting a live follow from Sayyid Saleh Qazwini. Behind the I have to find it. B-E-H-I-N-D-T-H-E-M-I-N-B-A-R. I found it. Okay. Behind the Membar. Follow right there. We got a let's go from the editor. And yeah, a follow from Sayyid Saleh Qazwini himself. Muhammad. This uh, set design, um, the panels and the sign were also made by uh, a dear a brother of ours in the community. Um, follow them. Check them out. Etched Creations on Instagram. Uh, so we thank them for this beautiful design and how it turned out. And uh, yeah, so keep up. And uh, inshallah, we'll see you guys next time on Behind the Member. Inshallah, inshallah. May Allah bless you. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.